Hello and thank you for tuning in to another edition of Herp Chat with uh, the Reptile Living Room. I'm your host as always, John F. Taylor. Uh, tonight, uh, or today rather, we're talking with uh, Ryan Jerosic from Jerosic Park and Tiki Tiki Reptiles. And we're going to chat with Ryan about uh, Veiled Community Captive Care. And as always, uh, we are brought to you by Golden Gate Geckos for the finest in captive bred leopard, African fattail, and Australian geckos, as well as the colonic species. Give Marsha McGinnis a tumble over at Golden Gate Geckos. Uh, none better anywhere. Bottom line, she has some great geckos, great prices, um, assured quality assurances guaranteed. Um, we'll definitely vouch for her at any time. Um, customer service just off the chain. Everything about Marsha just rocks. She's a great person. Check her out. GoldenGateGeckos.com. And without further ado, here's Ryan Jerosic talking about the Veiled Chameleons and their captive care. So, we're on the phone tonight with uh, Ryan Jerosic of Tiki Tiki Reptiles and Jerosic Park Reptiles. Is that correct? Yep, that's okay, right. Cool. I, I knew it was Jerosic Park, but I didn't know if there was a reptiles on the end of it. So Yeah, it works either way. Okay, very cool. Okay. And uh, basically, Ryan, uh, I'd like to talk to you. Uh, first of all, I guess, for those listeners that haven't listened to previous interviews, um, Ryan and I met a while back at one of the shows, and I was thoroughly impressed by him telling me about how many animals he had in his condo. <laughs> <laughs> so just refresh our uh, our listeners' memories, if you wouldn't mind, with uh, you live in how many square feet and how many animals do you have? <laughs> Roughly about 1,000 square feet. And uh, uh, normal load is about 125 to 130 adult animals. Uh, we get up to close to 300 during our peak seasons with all our leopard geckos and cresteds and all those things. Man, that is, <laughs> <laughs> that is just so stinking cool. <laughs> yeah, we, en- we enjoy it. You definitely have to enjoy it to, to be able to keep that many animals and keep the stink out of it. Yeah, yeah, very definitely. And uh, basically, Ryan's one of the... Um, <clears throat> in my opinion anyway, one of the most foremost on uh, chameleon breeders that are going out there. So we decided to uh, call him up and get his take on veiled chameleon captive care. So um, I guess we could start off with what size enclosure and what type of enclosure would you need to keep a captive uh, veiled chameleon? Uh, Veiled chameleons basically um, in the United States, uh, mostly we use um, uh, screen cages on all sides. Okay. Uh, with some kind of PVC bottom, um, triple L reptile. A lot of the the major reptile outlets sell a good version of um, of the cage. Okay. And uh, tip, typically, um, if you're starting with um, with you know a, a, a juvenile chameleon around two or three months old, mm-hmm. um, you'd start them in uh, roughly like an 18 by 18 by 20 inch screen enclosure. Okay. Um, some vine. The the reason it's so small is they're a small chameleon when they're when they're little. And they're just growing, and uh, you don't want them to get lost in the cage and not be able to find their food. It just makes okay. it easier to monitor. Um, roughly around, gosh, five, six months old, um, I like to move them up to either the next stage of cage um, that they're going to be in or into their adult enclosure. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, if it's a male, um, I'll move them up to about a 18 by 18 by 36 inch enclosure. Um, and uh, decide from there, depending on how big they get uh, as a male. Um, oh, okay. Into their, they can live in that. Um, it's actually a pretty decent size, 18 by 18 by 36, but typically male chameleons can get pretty large. And okay. the larger they get, I like to move them up into a 24, 24 by 40, 
48, so something four foot tall. Oh, okay. Just gives them a lot to move around in. Right. Um, and you can get creative with a little bit smaller cage, uh, typically by using a smaller pot at the bottom. Mm-hmm. A lot of the cage space um, with these animals gets wasted a lot with the, with the pot, you know, just taking up a lot of the room on the bottom, depending how big the plant is. So mm-hmm. You can get creative with that and use a little bit smaller, but typically for a male, I recommend a male adult enclosure would be 24 by 24 by 48. Um, a female can usually get away with 18, 18 by 36, sometimes even smaller, but I like to play a little bit on the larger size right. um, just to give them more room and provide a little bit more of a natural environment for them. Okay. Now, <clears throat> what is the purpose behind the uh, all-screen enclosure versus, you know, two sides of glass, three sides, or, you know, vice versa? Yeah, it's uh, just ventilation. Okay. They're arboreal animals, so mm-hmm. typically they're up in the up in the trees. There's lots of fresh air and wind. Okay. Um, you know, breeze is pretty common. The branches swaying, leaves moving. Uh, I try to stimulate their environment the best we can. And um, they don't, veiled chameleons don't require a lot of humidity. They're that was going to be my next question about humidity, okay. Yeah, exactly. Then they're they're in the 40% or so, which is very easy to, to maintain with just having a plant in the enclosure. Oh, wow, okay. So, yeah, you don't really need the sides to hold in the humidity because right off of the plant, off of the soil, off of the plant, it's letting off enough natural humidity that typically it's able to, to maintain the right amount. Um, if, where, when you, where you go and it gets to be a little bit colder and drier or even hotter and drier, mm-hmm. you may need... You know, to to get a glass side on there, or possibly just a shower curtain or something, just to hold in the humidity. But typically, veils are they're okay in the lower range, so okay. not really a problem. Now, speaking of lower ranges, what are some of the temperature ranges that we can expect to use when housing a veiled chameleon? I I um, approach it, and my strategy is, you know, when they're younger, I don't give them as much heat. So I'll kind of explain, you know, like the younger chameleon oh, yeah, on up to the adult. So. The uh, baby chameleons, um, and I call them babies, juveniles, two to three months old, um, they don't do, I usually give them about 80 to 85 um, with a light basking area. Just, they tend to overheat a lot more and kind of sit under the basking area. They don't seem to be smart enough yet to regulate themselves. Okay. So they'll kind of sit under there with their mouth open and overheat. So we kind of help them along a little bit by not providing as much heat, but enough to warm up and digest their foods. Okay. So as they're getting older, like four, five, six months old, start to raise the temperature a little bit, um, 85, 86. And then when they're adults, I'll let them get up to 90 degrees sometimes. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. And then there's always the, the basket. That's the basking temperature. Right. But then as, as you go down in the cage, there should always be a natural drop, mm-hmm. you know, 82 down to the high 70s towards the bottom. Okay. And they, they'll, they'll regulate themselves. They'll warm up, walk down sit in a dark area for a little bit, climb back up. And right, right. Yeah, because, <clears throat> as a matter of fact, uh, my uh, veiled chameleon that I uh, recently acquired <laughs> by accident from the uh, U.S. Arc auction. It's funny how that happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least that's the way I explained it to my wife. <laughs> it was an accident. I didn't mean to raise my hand, I swear. <laughs> um, uh, after reading the article that you wrote for us, um, you know, I've been tweaking the cage uh, enclosure constantly, just like moving vines around, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to us, uh, like give us a general overview of, you know, putting way too much? Like you, like you were talking about the wasted space, you know, because you can really crowd a chameleon cage really easily. Right. So what are some of the decor elements that you would put in, 
you know, with a baby and then moving on up to the adult size versus, you know, most of the enclosures that you see out there, they're just crowded full of stuff. Yeah, I don't really, uh, there's not a big difference for me when it goes, when it's uh, babies or oh, okay. adults, but the size just kind of grows along with them. Mm-hmm. Um, what I do, I take the approach of, it's an arboreal uh, creature that is almost never on the on the ground. Right. So I try to think of, what does it look like towards the top of the trees? Oh, if, yeah. You know, there there really isn't a there isn't a floor there isn't any dirt on the floor. You know, they don't really see that. Um, so what I try to do is provide um, spacious, but oh gosh, how can I put this? But uh, allowing them enough room to kind of hide and be comfortable in the branches where they can feel hidden, and then gotcha. um, provide kind of an open spot near the basking area mm-hmm. and also near the UV UV lighting at the top. Okay. Just just to give them kind of their choice of what they want to, where they want to go. And I just kind of envision it as, you know, the top of a tree. So I keep a lot of plants in there, vertical and horizontal climbing uh, branches at different sizes. Mm-hmm. Good to keep different sizes because they can exercise their feet. It's more natural for them to grab in different sizes. You know, that's and one of the, um, <clears throat> don't mean to cut you off, but that's one of the things I noticed right away when I brought home uh, our chameleon is the branches I had in there were for another type of lizard. Mm-hmm. that I moved out, and it didn't even dawn on me until I watched him for like 10 minutes that he was unable to grab on completely to the branches that were in there because they were still so uh, wide around. Right, right. So I immediately moved out to like little plant stakes, and they seem to work really well for him. He's very happy now. <laughs> yeah, they definitely have a unique set of feet on them. Yeah, that was a you, trip, and I've never yeah, they don't, that. <laughs> and they don't rely on their nails as much as, well, yeah, as much as some reptiles. You know, they right. use them to grasp and hold on, but... They use their pincer-like feet to pinch and, and right. grab what they're holding on to. Right. So, and, if you, and they always pretty much keep one foot at a time. <laughs> yeah. You know, just lift one at a time, and, and they're very careful and calculated when they're moving. So. Yes, very definitely. Mm-hmm. Now, um, what, what is this about the swaying behavior that I see? <laughs> uh, the theory I hear on that, uh, when they're moving back and forth, kind of doing the stutter steps, as I like to call it. Right, right. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, the theory that I've always heard and I kind of tend to believe is they're simulating like a leaf moving. Right. If they okay. keep moving and they're not stationary, they just look like a, a leaf blowing in the wind. Right. So it kind of helps hide them from predators while they're moving. Mm-hmm. Their best their best bet is to be standing still, you know, hiding behind a branch or something. Right, right. But, um, yeah, they just kind of, they're very calculated, cautious creatures. Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. Very definitely. Very fascinating. Yes, I must say, because now that he's... Uh, adjusted to his new enclosure it's definitely his mm-hmm. i go to put my hand in there and you know <laughs> dump some crickets you know or throw put some crickets on the walls or whatever mm-hmm. and he actually turns sideways towards me and blows himself up to make himself look bigger i'm like you little <laughs> you know yeah let you know whose house he's in exactly you're in <laughs> i was like wow okay <laughs> now explain the coloration changes and that you know, about stressors and coloration changes as far as captive uh, veils are concerned. Okay. Um, veils in uh, most chameleons, they uh, typically have a few different variations of their color changing and patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of them is the typical uh, dark stress coloration. Okay. They'll kind of wash out, go go a dark color over their whole body. Kind of uh, it's a good indication they're not happy with with uh, whatever's going on, whether okay. they're overstressed by environmental or sick or... Right. You know, yeah, so that's, that's one to look out for and kind of decide to 
maybe go to the vet and check up on them. Okay. The others, uh, they have another couple. One is, is the other is uh, a more of a, an aggressive coloration, mm -hmm. where they're defending their territory. Probably what you see when you reach your hand in that cage. Right. Be puffed up. Um, they'll generally put on their brightest, uh, some of the most beautiful colors, but they're actually warning, uh, warning you to stay away. Right. Kind of how they had a, if a male wandered into their territory, mm -hmm. kind of the reaction they would get. Um, the other is uh, they kind of put on their uh, pretty boy makeup. Right. You know, okay. Uh, when they see a female, it's a uh, oh. similar coloration. Um, I tend to see more you know, blacks around the eyes and things like that when they see the female and they start their head bobbing. Okay. It's, it's similar to the aggressive coloration, but there is a, a subtle difference to it. Hmm. Um, with panther chameleons, it's a little more. Um, Noticeable the oh, coloration, yeah. because they'll actually put on a whole set, different set of colors. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and um, but the uh, and this is and I'm speaking about males too. Right. Uh, females also have a whole other set of coloration. They have um, the stress, just like the males mm -hmm. that you'd look out for. They have um, the pretty girl colors, I guess. Okay. <laughs> would be you know when they put on their receptive colorations, they tend to get um, robin's blue egg spots oh, wow. across their body, some yellow lines. Um, they're really pretty in their own way. Um, they, uh, the female, and then once they're mated or start uh, egg production, mm -hmm. they'll actually turn a dark, like black, with darker green and yellow spots. And it's really wow. pretty obvious when you see a, a, a gravid female veiled oh, wow. compared to cool. a receptive one. Yeah, they're, and it's it's so fun to watch the transition. Oh, I bet. Yeah, it really is. That is awesome. <laughs> now, um, as far as UVB lighting. And then um, after you talk about the UVB, I'd like to talk to you about um, diet and feeding and sure. watering and stuff like that, how, how to, you know, basically maintain the whole environment there. Right. So with the UVB, I guess there's still, you know, a lot of different studies out there that say different things. What is, what's the breeder's take on it? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, UVB is absolutely essential for keeping a chameleon alive, okay. uh, whether it's natural or or simulated. Um, I have not really heard of anybody, and I've never tried it myself, to raise a chameleon without some sort of UV lighting. Okay. Um, if, it, it's, if it's been attempted, the, it's always been a horror story, <laughs> uh, you know, metabolic bone disease and, right. and, and, and the sorts. And um, it really affects chameleons and their ability to eat because they're not able to shoot their tongue if mm -hmm. they're calcium deficient. And, uh, you know, the bending of the bones, all of that, the, you know, they really use their legs and climb so you know they really need that strength um with uvb um typically they're in the the 5.0 uvb range if you're buying like linear bulb or okay. even the compact fluorescence mm -hmm. um typically the linear bulbs are recommended a little bit more right now because there's been some problems with the uh the compact fluorescence oh okay. and and it tends to show up a little more in chameleons than it does other reptiles i, I believe mostly because the chameleons use their eyes so much and look around, and and it, it tends to affect their eyes. They start to lose vision and actually start closing their eyes, which wow. will affect their their eating and, and everything. Um, once right. the if it if the compact fluorescent hasn't been used for too long of a time, you can remove it, put a linear bulb. The chameleon will come back. the The eyes will start to open. It's it's almost like it damages their eyes, kind of like if we were staring at the sun. Wow. Yeah. It, and and um, there's a new there's new uh, compact fluorescent bulbs out there that aren't using the spiral spiral mm -hmm. kind of bulbs. The, the new ones are a lot better. Um, there's uh, quite a bit of information on the internet and 
uh, chameleon forums and things like that where okay. you can, can read up and um, it's kind of a long drawn out thing so I didn't want to get into that right no I but, understand yeah but um, typically you know they use the 5% UV okay um, and uh, you have change it out every six months um, I have a UV meter that I check and make sure they're operating properly okay yeah but they definitely do need it along with some sort of D3 supplementation okay and it all does depend on whether you're housing them outdoors or indoors depending on how much you would you'd give them oh okay now, as far as dosing <clears throat> with the vitamin D3, whether um, no matter what kind of, you know, whose brand you're using or whatever, mm -hmm. how do you know when enough is enough? I mean, is there a simple, like, formula to use when you're, you know, because on most of the cans it says, like, dust lightly. Right. Like, what the hell does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're definitely going to get... Depending on who you ask, there's going to be tons of different oh, Right, exactly. There. And that's why I always ask all my guests that, w that mm -hmm. ever bring up, you know, vitamin uh, supplementation, I always ask them, okay, what's your take on, yeah. you know? Right. And I would say um, if anybody really has a take, they're all guessing. Okay. Uh, in my opinion, it's, it's a complete guess. Uh, I, I feel like uh, methods of com people have come up with methods that, that seemed to work, and that's what's been stuck with. Um, I couldn't tell you if dusting with D3 every day hurts okay. or, it, or it doesn't. Um, my method is basically um, when, I, when I start out with, the, uh, with a young chameleon that's just hatched out of the egg, mm -hmm. um, I'll start off with uh, dusting the, the, the feeders um, every day with some sort of calcium powder. Okay. So, so they're going to get calcium pretty much every day except for a couple days a week. Okay. Which um, those days I'm gonna so I'm supplementing two days with uh, calcium no D3. Mm -hmm. Then I'm doing a day with calcium with D3. Okay. Then a multivitamin, and then then uh, calcium the rest of the week. So and I kind of just repeat that cycle. So I dust don't dust very often with the vitamin powder or the D3, mm -hmm. but I make sure it's in there. And oh, I also okay. make sure that the D3, I mean that the they're getting enough UVB to produce their own D3. Right. And um, and you mentioned the brand that you use, and that's a big determining factor for me, as well as oh, what, okay. what I'm going to be giving them. Because, uh, like, Repcal with D3 has a lot of D3 in it. Oh, okay. So I'm going to use that a lot sparingly. Where, if you got into uh, Sticky Tail Farms, mm -hmm. um, their product doesn't have, their indoor product that has D3 doesn't have as much D3 in it. And it's my feeling and belief that, you know, talking to a lot of people too mm -hmm. feel the same way that it isn't a, it's a safe enough amount that you can use it every day oh okay even with d3 lighting if you if the chameleon is outside may not be a good idea to use it but mm -hmm. still i think um the difference with sunlight and and um the d3 that we're giving them is you know it's a lot different it's believed that sunlight you can actually that your body will only produce enough d3 that it needs and then it expels the rest so Oh, when you're okay. giving them the powdered form, that's not necessarily the, the case. You're giving them right. lots of it, and they can, you know, use too much, overcalcify their bones is the theory. Mm -hmm. I've never seen it happen. I just know what is supposed to happen. Right. I've <laughs> so never I seen used, it actually happen either, so right. that's why, okay. Yeah. All right, that makes sense. Now, as far as feeding a veiled chameleon, mm -hmm. what are we talking about? I mean, obviously crickets, but yeah, now bug, there's bug, this whole bug. thing about, you know, the cricket die off and... You know, right, all that stuff. So, what are a couple of food items that we could feed? I feed about six different food items regularly. Wow, 
do okay. all my, almost all my chameleons. Um, uh, crickets have been my staple for a long time. Okay. Uh, like you mentioned, the the cricket virus. Uh, when you start getting hit by that, you know, you think of what can you do. And chameleons, and what's good is the chameleon community, especially if you get on the forums and talk about it, they kind of prepare you for this whole situation that's been going on. Oh, wow. Because it's always been encouraged. Variety is the, you know, the spice of life. It's right. Variety, 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 because the chameleon will get bored of the same food item. And then he may not, he may decide, I don't like crickets anymore. And it doesn't matter if he's starving, you won't eat them. Wow. So, um, and it's kind of talked about a little bit that, you know, you start out a chameleon young eating a variety of items, you know, they won't get bored and go through some of the hunger strikes that other chameleons kind of run into. And um, so I'll use, you know, crickets are my staple. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to find the virus-free, even though it's not supposed to harm the reptile. Right, right. Um, still concerns me anything that <laughs> that's harming, anything that's going into my animal's mouths is kind of scary. Oh, yeah, so, definitely. Um, I really like silkworms. Oh, okay. Uh, hornworms are are amazing. They um they can they have a lot of weight to them, and it's a lot of liquid weight. Mm-hmm. So if you have a dehydrated chameleon, or just feed one of those once a week, a couple times a week, um, it helps to just keep their their hydration level up. Okay. Now, how would you feed worms? Uh, I just stick them on a branch. Oh, really? And they start crawling, and they'll go right after them. Or they're the easiest ones to get to get your animal to start uh, hand feeding, shooting them out of your fingers. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, I have a vision. I'm going to try that later. <laughs> Super worms are great, too. They're almost irresistible. They uh, contain a little bit, uh, a lot more fat and actually have a lot of um, a lot of hard exoskeletons. So fear of impaction kind of comes up a little bit with them. So using okay. them as a staple isn't, a, isn't the greatest. I've, I've heard of people whose chameleons have been stuck on them, and they'll feed them for years and don't seem to have a problem. Huh. But the goal is always to try to get them onto a different onto a different feeder. If they get it's kind of like a wax worm with just a right. lot like you know a cheeseburger. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> hard, very hard to gut load. Yeah, and, and crickets are really easy to gut load. Right. Um, and also the uh, blue bottle flies and house flies are great starter feeders for the younger ones. And blue bottles, oh. even some of the older ones, will eat blue bottle flies. Really? Yeah. Huh. And they're they're kind of messy to deal with, but um, if yeah. you get used to them, and there's some technique you can get used to and kind of figure out your own method to get them in the cage without them flying away but right right i'm usually swatting flies when we're feeding them here <laughs> <laughs> very cool now how about water for a veiled chameleon all right good i was hoping you're going to bring that up yeah definitely <laughs> it started to cross my mind yeah um with any chameleon um they're they're a little bit more of a challenge to keep watered uh mostly because they don't drink out of dishes they, yeah. They pretty much could care less. You'll hear the random story where somebody has one that drinks out of the dish or the ooh, waterfall. Right. <laughs> and which waterfall is definitely not recommended, mostly because, uh, well, one, with water, chameleons like to aim their their waist towards the water. It's almost like a magnet. Really? If they see water on the bottom, they'll try to, they'll try to drop one in there. <laughs> that is hilarious. And I don't know if that's just instinctual or, or just maybe coincidence. I don't know, but I've seen it a lot when you try to put a dish or even something to catch water from a, a dripper, which is one of the strategies you can take to keep your chameleon hydrated. The number one is hand misting or using some sort of misting system. Um, and it, you, and when I say misting system, I'm not talking about like a fogger. Right, right. There, it's there's an actual... an awful lot, yeah. 
Yeah. An actual mist, just like if you had a spray bottle and you were spraying it. Right. It's not a fogger that generates the fog for tree frog enclosures and stuff. Right. It looks cool. Right. It's exactly. an actual sprayer. Yeah. It actually, you'll see the water build up on the plant. Um, when you do spray, the the, uh, I, the strategy I always recommend is, mm-hmm. you know, spray the whole enclosure. Just soak it. Right. You know, spray it down. Give it about, you know, 30 seconds to a minute or two. Um Hopefully, you get to see your chameleon stimulated to drink. As you're spraying in there, you'll see the veil just start to kind of open his mouth and nom, nom, yeah. kind of the thing. <laughs> and then, and then he'll start. They'll either start just keep they'll just keep uh, taking in the mist as it builds up on their face and drips into their mouth. And then they'll sometimes start licking the leaves. And um, that's their main source of water. They don't they don't even get down out of the tree to go and find water. They wait for it to come to them. So morning dew, um, you know, a rain during yeah. the day so so um, if you're going to be away for a while for for a while and i mean during the day right <laughs> not for a few days a good a good strategy is to have you know put up a, a a dripper which you can use a cup with a small pinhole at the bottom of it that you know a drop comes out one every second or so oh, and okay. have some kind of receptacle to catch it in the bottom and you just aim that at one of the leaves so it drips down and just kind of flows all day long and uh the chameleon will see that and walk over and start drinking from it uh-huh. you may never see him use it but i they typically they'll use it yeah because you know on the one that i have set up i have i used to have a dripper but it, it something went wrong with it so i got rid of it mm-hmm. and you know because i didn't need it because i didn't have a chameleon anyway but when i brought the chameleon home it still has the um the corner there stuck on a piece of um, on a piece of one by one so right. it was taller, so the chameleon could go to it and stuff like that. Spray down the enclosure, all this stuff, you know, figured he's going to see the moving water, he's going to go over there and drink. Mm. No, he went <laughs> all the way to the opposite side and started, like you said, licking the leaves. And my wife was completely paranoid. She's like, honey, he's trying to eat the plastic leaves. I'm like, no, he's getting a drink. Watch what he's doing. So funny. Yeah, because he, he literally sat there for like ten minutes. Yeah. You know, just drinking away because he was so yeah, thirsty. Yeah, you, you can walk you know, away and they'll just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I have some. I, I run a misting system here that I have come on on a timer, mm. and it missed uh, two to three minutes, three or four times a day, depending okay. on depending on who's getting watered. Right. And um, you know, there's some chameleons I've never seen drink, but I know I look at that, you know, that white urate that they drop, and you know, yeah, they're, they're hydrated. Um, that's a good indicator. Um, you can, if you look at the urate, if it starts to become yellow or mostly orange and yellow, then uh-huh. there's a good chance that your chameleon's hydrated or dehydrated. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, and it also be kind of accompanied by um, sinking of the eyes. Right, right. Yeah, it's and you start to notice, like once, chameleons have always been thought of as hard to care for, but basically it's just the, the wrong information's been out there for so long. Right, right. And, it's, and people have still been trying to figure it out. So now that they've got it figured out, it's, it's becoming easier and easier, but a lot of people will get stuck in the old ways, but there's lots of progressive things happening that are, you know, new methods and... So I try to keep an open mind and then try to read the chameleon. You start to learn once you get around enough of them, you know, what's going on in their yeah. mind. Yeah, because, I mean, I noticed one thing <clears throat> with ours here that they're, like you said, uh, you were talking about only moving one limb at a time. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that whatever limb is not moving or going in a certain direction, uh-huh. even they, were, they will have three legs and their tail, like, wrapped around something. Right. And it's like... You're watching a rock climber moving, yeah. across, you know, moving across the forest. You're like, man, that is so smart. Yeah, until they know they're secure, they won't release that yeah. other that other limb, and 
Yeah, it's it's really they're um, out of all the animals I keep, they're they're what got me started and and to me the most fascinating. Oh, I have to tell you, ever since we brought uh, the one home, I sit there like a, a little kid for like two hours a night, just going, "Wow," <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. And all he's doing is moving across the enclosure. You know? Yeah. Oh man, they're awesome creatures. Now, um, just in case anyone's looking for veiled chameleons, you can always find them. <laughs> <laughs> at TikiTikiReptiles.com, and if you guys need a link, it'll be in the show notes. Now, talk to us a little bit. I know this has absolutely nothing to do with Veiled Chameleons, so we may put it on a different part of the interview. All right. <laughs> but wh- where did Juros- uh, Jurassic Park come from? What, what happened there? Uh, Jurassic Park has always been there. It's uh, uh, Chad and I have partnered up to do shows and um, under the Tiki Tiki Reptiles name. Okay. And um, it's kind of a, just a fun brand. I love doing the shows with them. They're good friends of ours. So we, we partnered up to, to kind of Tiki Tiki's the face. And Jurassic Park mostly is just my breeding operation in the background. Oh, okay. Where Tiki Tiki, I would kind of say, is, is more of my retail face. Okay, where, gotcha. Where, um, but, it, it, yeah, it's a little complicated, but it's always it's just worked out so well for us. that We just like doing the shows, and it's... Yeah, it, it's a fun thing for us, and it's more fun for us to do it together. Oh yeah, definitely. And I've always had to do my taxes under my name. And, oh okay. And so it's always been, you know, I need to have my stuff going on in the background. So the, right. the animals that I produce, it's mostly just Jurassic Park. And okay. Very cool. <laughs> that makes sense now. Yeah, it, it could be a little confusing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, as far as chameleons are concerned, are you working with anything uh, specifically this year? Um, Looking forward to the new shows and stuff like that, or uh, nothing. I'm not working on a lot of chameleons for sale this year. Okay. I'm more doing um, personal projects. I came across um, uh, actually it was a, originally a pair <laughs> of Brachoidean okay. uh, uh, and um, they're South African species. And okay. um, this year, I'm finally going to get my male that I've been waiting for. So um, in oh, a few nice. weeks. In a few weeks, I should be getting him, and uh, I hope to breed them. They're a fun little spe- species. They're not really overly interesting looking. They're mm-hmm. a little different than they're a lot of green and yellow. Okay. <laughs> but uh, they're very rare. But they're a live-bearing species that's supposed to be uh, pretty hardy. So really. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So because uh, with the Jacksons and the uh, Sternfeldi and a few other live-bearing species, they're just they're they're young or anything but bulletproof. It's uh, wow. it, you know, There's a high die-off rate, so I'm kind of trying oh. to figure out the trick to those. I have a uh, pair of Jacksons and some some Sternfall that, that I'm working with that I hope to be successful with. I had some clutches last year that I played around with um, uh, with the uh, and Sternfall there. They're a Triceros. Um, they're a montane species, mm-hmm. and uh, they like a little cooler. So I had um, some. I experimented a little bit with some wild caught females that I picked up that I knew were gravid, mm-hmm. and I was able to keep two of my three clutches um, survival rate at like 95. percent Oh wow! Okay. Um, where typically you would lose quite a few, um, are usually lost, and um, it was all sticking them out in very cold weather. Oh wow! So I hope to play with that a little bit. I'm kind of working on a little bit. I wouldn't call it a study or anything. It's just more of a, right. a playing thing for me, but. Um, I had great, really good success with um, with a 20 plus temperature drop, and just you know very slow feeding and really gr- and growing them really slowly, almost the opposite of what I would do with the uh, with the panther chameleon or a veiled chameleon. Wow! 
Yeah, so I just I had some success with that, so I'm hoping to, to verify some of my results this year. Right, right. Okay. Now, when uh, when can we expect to see you at the show again? Or uh, what's your next show that you're going to be at, I should Next say. show, I will be in Vegas. Hmm. And I will probably be there as Jerosec Park. Oh, okay. And I'm that not, one I'm comes not sure up in yet. May? Uh, yeah, the one in May. Okay. Very yeah, cool. I'm, I'm working with a few ball pythons this year, so my snake season is just getting underway and I don't have any I don't even have any eggs yet but the leopard geckos are going and it all depends I'll be I'm going to be in Vegas with no matter what uh, I kind okay. of support, support Tyler right right and and uh, I want that show to keep going I want the momentum to just keep going and oh definitely yeah Vegas was fun yeah oh my god it was a blast <laughs> yeah <clears throat> and uh just in case our listeners aren't aware of it if you don't know about it it uh the website is getreptiles.com yeah and yep. or you can just look up you know, Las Vegas Reptile Show, or you can go to, you know, any one of either my site or Ryan's. I'm sure he has links there, too, as well, to uh, check out the Las Vegas Show. If you guys are need an excuse to get out of the house, go to Vegas, go check out a reptile show. I mean, how could you lose, you know? Yeah, you not in Vegas. <laughs> no way, you know? <laughs> sure, you might lose a little bit of money, but, you know, you were going to spend it on a reptile anyway, right? Yeah, exactly. You might even make double and get that the, there you get go. the real reptile you want. Exactly. See? It's a win-win for everybody. And so there you have it. That was Ryan Jurassic from Jurassic Park and Tiki Tiki Reptiles. Once again, you can always check him out at TikiTikiReptiles.com or JurassicParkReptiles.com. And as you heard, he'll be at the Las Vegas show, which we definitely encourage you to go to if you do get a chance. Uh, it's called GetReptiles.com. Check him out. They're a great show. Uh, met Tyler and his partner last year at uh, their last show. Great, great fun. Lots of fun to be had there. So do you get to check them out, and we look forward to seeing you again over on Herb Chat. <laughs>